0: You know, growing up in a, in a white family, in a suburban white family, we didn't talk about race. Mm-hmm. Race, not a conversation we had. In fact, if you brought up race, it was kind of like, shh, shh, don't talk about it. I really? actually a friend in high school who her mother was black and her father was white. We never talked about it. Um, I remember being on the phone with her one day and my brother said, you know, who are you talking to? And I said, oh, Carrie. And he said, oh, is that, is that the black girl? And I was like, shh, shh, like, you can't say the word black.
1: Mm. Um,
0: because we didn't talk about race. It's just, it's in our, because I'm white, I have the privilege of knowing I come from German history. I come from Scandinavian history. I come from, you know, background where we don't talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, not in our culture to talk about things that make us uncomfortable. And it's not that my parents, my parents just didn't
1: know better. Um, So would you agree that um, like the famous quote with Nelson Mandela that it is taught? Yes. Okay.
0: It is taught and, and I think what some white women and I'm generalizing, so this goes to some, not all, we didn't grow up in an overtly racist family. Mm-hmm. We grow up in a very, is, is covert the right word, where it's just because it wasn't talked about and because it was shushed and the media taught us to fear, kind of our generalizations taught us to fear and because it was never addressed, we grew up racist having this layer of guilt also and just this strange dynamic that kind of leads us into this position now because we're not a part of it, we don't take it personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? I feel what you're saying, and so when you're talking about how you know, you, you've grown up to operate in a certain way, and so for me as a black person, as a black woman, um, going into stores or going into different settings, we feel that. Yes. We yes. feel that. We mm-hmm. feel that um, you guys were taught that way in a sense to operate like this with us. Yes.
0: And I think that's where the confusion comes in for again, generalizing white women, because most of us didn't grow up in very vocally racist families, Mm -hmm. because it was so shush-shush and avoided, um, it's just so confusing where we are. Now, that is not an excuse Mm -hmm. by any way, um, shape, or form, because we all have implicit bias you know, it's within every single human being. It's just naturally in us. And so I think when you can become aware of your implicit biases, um, it's the awareness that is going to make the shift and the difference. Crystal, would you be okay if I um, led our listeners and our viewers in just a really short practice in understanding what implicit bias actually feels like? Sure. Okay. Thank you. I think sometimes when we can turn our thinking brain off, our mind off and really get into our bodies and feel it, there's, there's where shifts can occur too. So, um, if you are listening, if you're viewing, I'm going to ask you to just to close your eyes for a moment, just a few moments, um, and just really feel your body sitting down wherever it is you are and maybe noticing a couple deep breaths within your body. And in your mind, I want you just to picture your children. It's dusk right now, and your children are outside playing, and they're running around. And now I want you to imagine that your child has black skin. And how does that feel in your body right now? For me, I felt a pit in my stomach, and I felt my breath stop and whether that was fear for my child or fear of my child because they had black skin. For another moment, I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes and put a new picture in your head. And I want you to imagine that you're a patient in a hospital setting. And a black woman walks in the room and she's wearing a uniform. What is her job? your mind probably automatically goes to either a certified nursing assistant or the woman who's cleaning the room. That's implicit bias. For a moment, imagine you're a teacher in a classroom and your Asian student walks in. What do you automatically assume about that Asian student? probably that they're really good in math. That's an implicit bias. Now what I want you to do is take a breath and remove the judgment towards yourself about having these implicit biases. They're in you. Shaming yourself is not going to help. It does no good. They're in you. When you can become aware that you carry these biases, you can then work with them and work to better your
1: your outlook. You are fully aware Mm -hmm. what's going on. You're fully aware of what's happening and it's wrong. Right. But when you were younger and you were in your parents' home, what was your thought process like? I think I was confused a lot because I,
0: you know, we didn't talk about race, but yeah, we weren't racist Mm -hmm. um, because we donated money or because my parents worked or would mention a black colleague or someone that worked with them. But I also didn't understand why not that many black families lived in our neighborhood why they lived in separate neighborhoods Um, and why we couldn't really talk about it. I guess it just, it was a very shameful feeling Mm -hmm. um, that I just didn't understand. And so I went went and I became a teacher and I taught in the Milwaukee public schools. And um, that was my first time really being around many people of color. and in fact, probably the very first honest conversation I had about race was with my four-year-old student, Chelsea, <laughs> Well, I'll never forget, said to me, Miss Molly, my grandma says I can't like you because you're white. Mm. And I remember thinking, all right, well, that's that's your grandma's opinion, and she has a right to her opinion. And we had this conversation and we talked about our similarities. We talked about our differences because around the age of four or five, six is when kids start to notice color differences mm-hmm. among people. Um, and that's the age I was teaching. And, you know, I just kind of said, well, what do you like about me? What do you not like about me? And And you can make this decision, but I could tell it was very, hard for her because she loved and respected her grandma and I know she liked me but I didn't want her
1: to have to choose either that's That's not interesting like yeah we feel that we have to choose yeah yeah and I I didn't want that for her either Mm -hmm. and broke my heart for her
0: um and a little bit for me but more her than me Mm -hmm. and it started to open my eyes to to bigger,
1: the bigger picture yeah. of we world. So growing up, for me, it wasn't a thing of, we don't talk about it. But it was mm-hmm. interesting um, because as a black person, one of the main um, things that you hear in a black home is that we have to work harder than you guys. We have to work harder than white people. So. Yeah. It's said differently in in our homes, mm-hmm. um, but I've often heard that, you know, and I've often, I, I think, aside from hearing that, I felt that mm-hmm. based off the treatment is yeah. I felt the twice as hard is what we have to do to either get to your level or get to a room or be a part of conversation, you know? And so that was one of the reoccurring messages that I think that Black America hears is that we have to work twice as hard. I don't think some of us even understood that fully, like what that looks like. We just know we had to work twice as hard. And we, and it's interesting because
0: we're only a few years apart, I think. I think I'm a few years older than you, but, we grew up with not understanding any of that Mm -hmm. and not being aware. At least I can say for me and most of the women I grew up with in similar situations. And so that's a really foreign concept. Now I'm at an age where I can see that I get that. Mm
1: -hmm. It's not right. And so so that's where, that's where the, you know, like, our our rage is, is creeping in, coming in, because not only do we feel that we have to work twice as hard or sometimes speak a certain way or dress a certain way, mm-hmm. um, but then on top of that, then we have to deal with racism. We have to deal with police brutality. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, 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 it's so much to carry it's so much to carry you know as a black person and and so for us it's just like it's almost in a sense we kind of feel like what do you guys have to carry because we have this we have that we have this right Mm -hmm. and and the unfairness is so overbearing it's so overbearing yes Mm i i think
0: um my best lesson was my my son Tomas, who is Guatemalan. So his skin is darker than ours. Um, He was adopted from Guatemala and then we have two birth children who are white. Um, One day Tomas was, I don't know, maybe seven or eight and he was wearing his black hoodie. He loves hoodies and he had a scowl on his face. And my heart in that moment sank. I got the pit in my stomach and I stopped breathing because I thought about those, you know, a handful of teenage boys that I saw in the mall who were black, who had the hoodies on or the hats and the scowls. And I thought, oh, my God, you have been afraid of them based on really what the media has told you and the fact that you didn't talk about race growing up. hmm for no reason they are babies they are children and someone needs to watch out for them it's not just up to these black mothers and fathers anymore it's not okay like this your burden should not be your burden alone it should be shared by every single parent out there
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you feel because you brought up the media like what do you feel about the media and its connection to how white people feel about black people and how black people feel about white people. Like, what do you think, how do you think it has, has like, you know, escalated what the I, people have been experience in white America and black America? Right. I think
0: um, there hasn't been enough positive representation for people of color at all throughout media history unless you're a phenomenal athlete or a phenomenal dancer of a person of color who is that then they get good media recognition but otherwise it's really you know you could have a white suspect and a black suspect the same crime and the just the photos themselves the black suspect looks angry and the white suspect doesn't it's just it's been distorted, I think, over time, which then, like, plays into the implicit bias of fear, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just now seeing positive, um, commercials, you know, black men putting pampers on their babies, you know, where has that been Mm -hmm. for the last 30, 40, 50 years now, Mm -hmm. they, you know, why are we, I'm glad we're showing it now, but it is, a little too damn late let's this should have been going on you know 30 years ago so yes i think the media plays into especially white people's psyches without them even realizing
1: it so like imaging and representation is 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 so crucial for us in the black community because it's not always seen in the best light mm-hmm. and particularly in media correct because it's controlled you know, mostly by people who do not look like us. Correct. Yes.
0: Well, a really interesting thing that happened to me is when I when I started explaining that you and I met because I reached out to a number of black women about beauty counter safer for beauty. Um, And so I had friended. I mean, it was like a big list of people and a lot of um, women accepted my friendship, which opened up an entire new universe of positivity going on in the black community that I would never be aware of.
1: Now, now what made you do that and have the courage to do that? Um, Cause I'll be honest. So when I seen that I was, you know, really trying to understand the purpose of, yeah. you know, how, like what was the reason behind it? Yeah. Um, but something in me, wanted to know what was the reason, you know, wanted to get to know what, what were you, uh, you know, promoting. And so that is why I responded. But I think naturally, um, I probably would have brushed it off and I probably would have ignored it. So why did you feel the need to bridge this gap between white women and black women in the makeup arena? Um, well,
0: I think because first of all, it's funny that it's the makeup arena, because I I really don't do a lot, (laughs) use a ton of makeup. But it's I had started representing this company that really um, pushes for safer beauty. um, And we're only like a seven, eight, nine year old company. Now when they started, it was really mainly for white women, of course and that year they had really expanded their color line to include most shades you know as dark and as light as possible and that's when i knew like okay this is the right company i want to i want to stick with this i want to keep representing them and educate for them and reach out to the black community because right now no one in Milwaukee is aware of this and I don't know why I did. I just was like, all right, I had a bee in my bonnet and was like, I'm just going to literally friend, here's my message. I'm curious what you think about this and if this works in terms of the makeup. Um, that was kind of my tagline to, to see. Like, I'm not trying to sell this to you. I just want to know, are we hitting the mark here in terms of coloring? Does
1: this time so Did you get any, um, like, negative feedback, any pushback? Like, what? Well, how did it go for you?
0: uh surprisingly positive um i would say i in fact i met at i met a makeup artist who was willing to take all my makeup and try it and give me her honest opinions and she was lovely and um yeah and people were always nothing but kind if they weren't interested they'd say i'm not interested thank you do not contact me again Mm -hmm. which i would respect If they were interested, they would, we would usually have a nice dialogue um, via Facebook messenger. And then it was, you know, we'd either share makeup or not. Um, So it was always very nicely welcomed.
1: Mm -hmm. So, and I'm asking you this because, you know, I know sometimes we have that implicit bias of thinking a certain way about a particular person. And so did that make you feel even more comfortable with engaging with Black people, specifically Black women. Like, how did you feel after getting this particular response? Because, it, you know, I'm comparing to what, what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. You, you know, your foundation of, like, we do not, you know, have these kind of conversations or things like that. And so now today you have built these relationships Mm -hmm. with these black women. How did that change your perspective about black people? Right. I think what started to change my
0: perspective was first of all, my relationship with understanding myself, Mm -hmm. starting there um, and becoming aware of my implicit biases. Mm-hmm. And then when I become aware, I can catch myself. And so I really started putting that into practice. And that grew my confidence. The more confident and the more sure of myself I felt and the more worthy I felt as a human being and as a woman, the more confident I was in reaching out to women who were different from me. Mm-hmm. Because of what I knew it was coming from an authentic, real place. It wasn't coming from a, I'm trying to make money and... Mm-hmm. I want to be your ally. It was coming from a, I genuinely want to know, are we doing good with these products? Like, is this the right, are we heading in the right direction or are we not? And so that outside- um, you And sure.
1: to be welcomed uh huh, by a group of, yeah. No, you can keep going. It just made me think of that is what the energy that I feel from you as to just being genuine. talking about knowing yourself so from my end i believe it's important too that the more that i know myself who i am as a woman who i am as a black woman you know um that helps me to not be afraid to have conversations first and foremost with people who look like me yes and then secondly with people who don't look like me Um, So I I appreciate you tying that in and bringing that in because I think that's important. And that can, that just shows um, the commonalities that we have. It's important to get to know yourself. Yes. It's very important to know yourself, know what's inside of you, know, you know, what, know what your triggers are. um, And so then that helps you to know how to engage with people. And so it, it, it it brings it to what we why the reason why we're having this conversation today we love ourselves mm-hmm. and and so what's going on it 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 brings on a greater challenge to continue to love ourselves yes and we know that there's white people who love our culture but they can't handle our experience yes
0: And I think that brings up a good point is we as a society have a hard time sitting in uncomfortable feelings when things don't feel okay within our minds, within our bodies. We don't like to sit there. We don't like to stay there. Um, And that's where the work is. I think especially as white people, you need to be able to, to sit In the uncomfortableness that our race has caused for generations now Mm -hmm. and it's not to blame it's not to shame it's to recognize it's to become aware and it's to then do better because when you are aware you can choose a better response and that's where quiet non-racist yet racist all white americans need to step outside of themselves for a few moments Mm -hmm. and put themselves in the shoes of black people to understand better understand their rage so we can show up for you Mm -hmm. to stand behind you or next to you but not in front of you but also to allow you to put your guard down for a few moments for the love of God, you've had your guard up for hundreds of years. And it's time that we help carry that burden.